consultant requested a one-time lump sum payment of $10.5 million for four months' work. Obviously a red flag, given the nature of the work. Rio Tinto executives debated the amount in the form of payment, and one executive wrote, quote, Tell the consultant one big lump looks like a bribe and people will wonder where the money went, close quote. Despite these concerns, Rio Tinto eventually approved two lump sum payments totaling $10.5 million. Global companies face unprecedented risks and challenges in today's economy. To mitigate these legal and economic risks, companies are rapidly embracing and elevating the importance of robust ethics and compliance programs to promote positive corporate citizenship. On Corruption, Crime and Compliance, You'll hear from industry leaders and insiders about how to create effective ethics and compliance programs that will mitigate risks and maximize financial performance. Here's your host, Michael Volkov. Well, hello. We're here for an FCPA catch-up. There are three items I wanted to talk about. One was the Corsicol declination, the Flutter Enforcement Action, and the Rio Tinto Enforcement Action, both of which were SEC enforcement actions, and then we have the declination, obviously, from the Justice Department. So let's start with that. The Corsicol earned a declination, and only a few companies have earned that, 17 to be exact, over the years. And as part of DOJ's push on voluntary self-disclosures in changes to its corporate enforcement policy, they really are encouraging companies to come in and voluntarily disclose when they find bad behavior. There's been more of a balancing going on as to whether or not it's a good idea to do it and sort of a plus minus type of a cost benefit analysis. And that's led to some companies not coming in and just immediately disclosing to the department and sort of fixing the problem, addressing the problem, and then just taking the risk as to whether or not they'll get detected. But we did have a situation here with Corsicol, which earned the declination. They cooperated, and they also resulted in the prosecution of two of its former executives, one of which pled guilty, and the second of which is still pending the case against them, him, and I'll outline that too. In the end, Corsa earned a declination and was able to get a significant reduction in disgorgement based upon inability to pay. Under the DOJ policies, they were supposed to pay $31 million, but they reduced that to $1.2 million because of the inability to pay. So from early 2016 to 2020, Corsa executives and agents paid illegal bribes to Egyptian government officials to retain lucrative contracts to supply coal to Al-Nasar company, and that's an Egyptian state-owned and controlled coke company, meaning uh, coke and chemicals. And Corsa paid approximately $4.8 million to a third-party intermediary that Corsa's employees knew would be used, part of that $4.8 million, to pay bribes to government officials, including the chairman of Al-Masar. In exchange, Corsa secured approximately $143 million in coal contracts from Al-Masar and earned $32.7 million in profits. That's where your disgorgement came from. Now, in 2021, Frederick Cushmore, the former VP and head of international sales, pled guilty to FCPA conspiracy because of his involvement in this. A year later, and I think with the cooperation of Cushmore, 
Charles Hunter Hobson, the vice president, was indicted for violating the FCPA, money laundering, and participating in the bribery scheme. Hobson was responsible for the business relationship with Al Nassar, and he served in a variety of positions at Corsa from 2013 to 2018. Like I said, Cushmore appears to be cooperating in that case against Hobson. The corrupt commission payments here were transferred from a U.S. bank account to a UAE bank account, and Hobson secretly took a portion of the commissions paid to the third-party sales intermediary, and Hobson's case is still pending, like I said. DOJ, in giving out the declination, cited Corsa's timely and voluntary self-disclosure, full and proactive cooperation, the nature and seriousness of the offense, their timely and appropriate remediation, including terminating the people involved, and Corsa's agreement to disgorge its ill-gotten profits. Interestingly, under the DOJ's inability to pay policy, Corsa's earned profits equaled $32.7 million, like I said, but they met their burden to establish an inability to pay with the assistance of an independent forensic accountant expert. And DOJ determined that a payment in the excess of $1.2 million would substantially threaten the continued viability of Corsa. So Corsa gets through this, gets a declination. Now let's go to the two SEC cases. The first one was Flutter Entertainment. Flutter Entertainment, which was the previous owner of Poker Stars, agreed to pay the SEC $4 million for improper payments to Russian-based consultants stemming from uh, conduct committed by the Stars Group, which was PokerStars' previous owner. So when Flutter acquired this company and they acquired the Stars Group, they brought with it an FCPA violation. And that's what point we always say when acquiring a company, you've got to conduct due diligence and make sure that you do not find any FCPA violations or any problems like that. So Flutter had purchased PokerStars in 2020, and Flutter is an Ireland-based global gaming and sports betting company. So again, this was in the acquisition process. This was uncovered with regard to Stars Group in their operation of PokerStars as well. Now, the SEC cited Stars Group's payment to Russian-based consultants, which was approximately in the amount of $8.9 million which was to push for legalization of online poker in Russia. And they conducted the lobbying campaign between 2015 and 2020. And the STARS group did not maintain any kind of appropriate due diligence process for third parties or even having written contracts. And the STARS group did not initially retain the third-party consultants. you got to go back in history even more. The STARS group themselves acquired this operation from a 2014 acquisition of Old Ford Group. So after acquiring PokerStars, Flutter implemented changes to its compliance program and accounting controls to keep up with Flutter's operations, and Flutter implemented a number of compliance and organizational enhancements. Now, Star Group's payments to the Russian consultants over the five-year period were made to reimburse for purchase of New Year's gifts to individuals, including Russian government officials, and payments to a Ruskometsur, a Russian state agency responsible for administering internet censorship filters. And the SEC described several specific examples of improper payments. 
In June 2015, a consultant submitted an invoice for $57,000 for reimbursement of payments to lawyers to draft legislation for the Duma to legalize online gambling. However, there is no record of any services that the attorneys provided or the nature of the legislation and whether the services were actually provided. But the consultant sought immediate payment of the invoice, noting that the legislation could be rejected if we do not pay this week. And the employee responsible for reviewing the expense made no further inquiries and approved just payment of the invoice. In 2016, STARS Group made two separate payments for approximately $22,000 each to a consultant to reimburse for payments made to Russ Comitor, and no proof of payments were existed and the expenses were listed as lobbying fees. Now, the STARS Group initiated this enforcement matter by voluntarily disclosing to the SEC after beginning their review of potential bribery violations. Flutter was credited for its cooperation and remediation, and Flutter exited the Russian market following Russia's invasion of Ukraine. STARS Group adopted a policy requiring now risk-based due diligence, written contracts, and approval by the CEO and general counsel of all consultants, lobbyists, and lawyers. Notwithstanding this requirement, the company continued to make improper payments to Russian consultants in violations of that policy. And in 2017, the STARS Group signed new contracts with the Russian consultants, but until 2019, STARS Group employees did not review invoices to verify that actual services were provided. Okay, so that was the uh, STARS Group matter. Now let's go to Rio Tinto. Rio Tinto paid $15 million to resolve FCPA violations that occurred in Guinea. Rio Tinto, the global mining and metals company, agreed to pay the SEC $15 million to settle FCPA violations arising from a bribery scheme involving a senior Ghanaian government official. Between 1997 and 2006, Rio Tinto was granted mining and exploration rights to four section blocks in the Simandu mountain region. In late 2008, after a change in administration, the Guinea government revoked Rio Tinto's rights to two of the four mining sections because of Rio Tinto's failure to develop the mines in these areas. And the Guinean government awarded the mining rights to Rio Tinto's competitors. After the reassignment, Rio Tinto devoted significant resources to develop the two mining blocks if they were retained. In 2010, Yet another administration was voted in power, and the new government declared that all mining contracts would be re-examined. As a result, the competitors were stripped of the two mining blocks that were previously taken from Rio Tinto and then reassigned. In March 2011, Rio Tinto engaged a French investment bank to assist it in connection with their desire to regain the mining rights in the mountain region. The consultant had existing contacts to the senior Ghanaian government official because they were former classmates at the Paris Institute of Political Studies. The consultant had no prior experience in the mining industry. You can tell where this story is going to go with that consultant. In April of 2011, the consultant offered or attempted to bribe the government official. With the assistance of the consultant, Rio Tinto eventually secured its mining rights and entered into an agreement to pay $700 million for its failure to develop the existing mining properties. The consultant's fees remained undetermined throughout the settlement negotiations. Eventually, the consultant negotiated his fees with a Rio Tinto senior executive 
and stress, the Ghanaian official often asked whether Rio Tinto had paid him yet. While working for Rio Tinto, there were a number of red flags suggesting that the consultant was advising the Ghanaian official and preserving Rio Tinto's ability to operate in Guinea. The SEC cited a number of emails that suggested that a portion of the consultant's fees would be paid to the Ghanaian official. The consultant requested a one-time lump sum payment of $10.5 million for four months' work, obviously a red flag given the nature of the work. Rio Tinto executives debated the amount and the form of payment, and one executive wrote, quote, tell the consultant one big lump looks like a bribe and people will wonder where the money went, close quote. Despite these concerns, Rio Tinto eventually approved two lump sum payments totaling $10.5 million. On July 8th, Rio Tinto paid $7.5 million to the consultant's Swiss bank account, and on July 11th, 2011, Rio Tinto placed the remaining $3 million in an escrow account to be released after December 31st, 2015, provided that Rio Tinto retained its mining rights. And it was eventually released and paid to the consultant. In July 2011, the consultant attempted to transfer $822,000 from a Swiss bank account to a Hong Kong company owned by another Ghanaian national with close ties to government officials. The bank blocked the transaction due to corruption concerns and ties to the Ghanaian government. Weeks later, the Hong Kong company paid for re-election campaign t-shirts. I mean that, re-election campaign t-shirts for the Ghanaian government officials' re-election company. These shirts matched the description on the consultant's invoice that was submitted to the Swiss bank when seeking to transfer the $822,000 payment. So obviously they were trying to disguise the payment and uh, linked it to t-shirts, as we see. Now, Rio Tinto cooperated in the SEC's investigation, and their remediation included termination of employees responsible for the misconduct and enhancement of its internal accounting controls. Specifically, Rio Tinto strengthened its ethics and compliance organization, enhanced its code of conduct, as well as its policies and procedures, gifts and hospitality, due diligence, and use of third parties. In addition, Rio Tinto enhanced its whistleblower program, improved its monitoring systems and internal controls related to payments to third parties. Finally, Rio Tinto enhanced its anti-corruption risk assessments and transactions testing and increased training of employees and third parties. Nonetheless, real lesson in the payment of high commissions to a sales agent involved in the extractive industries. And that's a warning to anybody involved in mining oil and gas or any other extractive type of mining operation. So that's it. That's just a quick catch up on three important matters related to the FCPA. We'll see you next week with another important episode on corruption, crime, and compliance. Thanks a lot. If you enjoyed this episode, the best way to support the show is by subscribing on your favorite listening platform. To learn more and connect with Michael Volkov, go to volkovlaw.com.